Hello, everyone. Welcome to this Wednesday afternoon edition of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I'm your host, Hunter Hodes. Follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. Follow the show's Twitter at LO underscore Penguins. Hope you all had a wonderful weekend. Saw the Steelers get to 9-0. For Virginia Tech football, it is continuing to be a dumpster fire, so I'm just not going to talk about that. But, you know, for today's show, the Penguins, bunch of stuff we can finally get to. There's actually some stuff to talk about. You know, the reverse retro jerseys were finally released. I'm going to give you guys my top five favorites and my least uh, five favorites, and we're also, of course, going to talk about the Penguins one because, um, hint, hint, I do think it's better now that I've actually seen it than, you know, when we were seeing leaks of it. Uh, I think it was leaked on some weird site. It doesn't look anything really like that anyway. So we'll talk about that. There's also some NHL season updates. Well, for next season, at least, that we're going to touch on this podcast. And for today's player season review, it'll be Jason Zucker, who, you know, didn't even play half a season with the Penguins, but, you know, with the production he put up in that very small sample size, You know, I'm thinking there could be big things ahead coming um, for Zucker. So um, that will basically be for today's show. Um, As always, this show is brought to you by Built Bar. You can go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKDOWN and get 20% off your next order. So let's get into the reverse retro jerseys. Um, You know, the Penguins just released a video um, of Mario Lemieux trying his on. They made one custom uh, for him. That trophy case in the background is just, it's legendary. You know, Mario just looks like a god like he always is. But, you know, I do, I like this jersey, I think. You know, they also did a Wallpaper Wednesday thing. You know, some people were like, well, is this like the Vegas gold or is this actual Pittsburgh gold? I mean, guys, this is Pittsburgh gold if you looked at the jersey. Um, I'll still say it again. If you've been listening to me speak for the last week or two on this podcast, I'm sorry for stuttering there. Um, I do like the OG replicas of the black jerseys, you know, the ones that, you know, you saw Snoop Snoop Dogg wearing, you know, riding his bike in Pittsburgh. But, you know, and I I do want them to bring those back. That would be outstanding if they did. But these are still pretty sweet. You know, you have just the Pittsburgh gold, uh, the diagonal, just the gold uh, spelling of it. You know, the, the logo at the shoulder crest. I would have preferred the logo back in from 92 to 97 when they wore these. I think that would have been better, but I'm not going to like, I guess, hate it too much. But this is still a, a decent jersey. It looks really good on Sidney Crosby. I mean, they photoshopped Jake Ensel onto it. You know, it's just, it, it, it's growing on me, I think is the big thing. And, you know, I, I'm definitely going to cop one of these, I think, whether I get it for Hanukkah from someone or I just buy it myself. Um, I'm definitely going to get one of these because um, it's it, it's pretty sweet, you know. Like I said, I wish there was a different shoulder patch. You know, I would like the logo from 92 to 97, but, you know, this is still a pretty sweet jersey. Some people that – I saw some someone, I think, on The Athletic, I think when Mark Lazarus of Chicago was doing his rankings for the retro jerseys, he was like, I wish the Penguins would have done something like with their Vegas gold back from the early 2000s. I'm like, Vegas gold? I don't think anyone wants to see one of those. If anything, some Penguins fans want to see the Robo Penguin brought back. I would love if a Robo Penguin jersey was brought back. Hell, they can bring it back in black. Uh, do a white version of it. You know, Rob Rossi was on the podcast last week and he teased that, you know, in the next year or two, we could be seeing um, a version of the Robo Penguin jersey coming back. I mean, I would be all for that. But, you know, this is still a good one. You know, some people don't like it because, you know, the diagonal that the Rangers have, 
eat shit. That, that's really what I'm going to say to that. I don't really care that it's diagonal like the Rangers ones are. I mean, if people really care about it that much, I mean, okay. I mean, this is better than the Rangers diagonal if you ask me, but still. Really sweet jerseys. I'm not sure how many games they're going to wear these for. I think Rob was talking on the podcast last week, maybe two to five games. I, I want there to be 10 to 12. I think that would be awesome. You can work this into the rotation for um, your games throughout more seasons too. So I'm just, I'm really excited for them to wear this. Uh, as for my top five though, I mean... It's there's there there's definitely a, I think my favorite one though is the Avalanche one. I mean that one is just absolutely spectacular. That's number one on my list for sure. It's just the the, the design of it, the throwback to when they were in the where when they were basically the, the Nordiques. I mean this is just this is a hell of a jersey. I want them to wear it almost full time basically. It's just a great reverse retro jersey. I'm really excited about that one. Um, another one in my top five. I really like Los Angeles's. That's a great jersey. It's purple and yellow, which, I mean, if you pay attention to Los Angeles sports, that's the colors that the Lakers wore. I believe they wore this back in the late 80s, early 90s or something like that. But, you know, this is this is a gorgeous jersey. That's number two on my list. Number three on my list, we always, talk, we always diss and shit talk the Washington Capitals on this podcast and all that. But, you know, I will give it to them. Their, their reverse retro jersey is pretty nice here. I mean, it's basically, I think, the screeching eagle that they wore. I think this was from the early 2000s, late 90s or something like that. I have to double check. But that's a great jersey. I'm really excited to see them wear that. Hopefully they wore that. They wear that against the Pittsburgh Diagonals when they play each other this season, if there is a season, because that would be pretty sweet. Um, again, another one in my top five. Well, at number four, uh, the Carolina Hurricanes ones. I mean, obviously a throwback to the Hartford Whalers. The jersey is just super sweet. I mean, the shoulder patch just looks great. I mean, the Whaler logo in the middle, all the green. And then you have, of course, the white and the blue. It just, it looks spectacular. You know, I, I want these worn for like over half their games or something like that. It is just that good. And lastly, at number five, um, th- this is tough, but you know, I think I'm going to go with Arizona's. Obviously, these jerseys are also purple. They were worn during 1999 to 2003. Um, This is, I can't get enough of this one. I mean, you have the green cacti, orange mountains team, old purple logo included. I mean, this is, this is a great jersey. Um, Like I said, I know they're going to only be worn for like two to five games or something like that. This is a jersey where I want them to be worn way more than that. And then, you know, you have the bottom five and there are some pretty bad reverse retro jerseys here. Um, and also I should say honorable mention Minnesota wild, um, a throwback to the North stars. That is a hell of a Jersey. I absolutely love it. Um, if there was a five B, I would put it at basically that. So if you're one of top six, I'll just put Minnesota right there too. But for my bottom five ones, um, the Detroit Red Wings one is obviously, I think the worst one out there. It's just a whole lot of nothing. Basically, there's really nothing special about it. It's just absolute trash. Um, the another one that I really did not like at all was the Islanders one at number two. It's just basically the same thing. Well, why didn't you just bring back the old Fisherman logo, which I know would probably make a lot of people mad, but I don't really care. But this one, it's basically just the same jersey they, they've been wearing for like, what, 20 years now, 30 years now or something like that. So it's just, there really wasn't much change to it. Those two, I did not like at all. And number three for me is the San Jose Sharks. I mean, I understand why they brought this one back. You know, it's from the team's 98 season, but there's just, there's really nothing doing it here. I mean, like you have a bunch of gray on the jersey. I mean, the shark is still chomping the stick, but 
you know, other than that, it's just a whole bunch of blah. I mean, like the, the, the shoulder crest is still really not that good. It's just everything about that jersey is just a bunch of blah to me. I really don't like it at all. And I know this is world-class analysis here, but, you know, I, I'm not like a big jersey expert. I'm just giving my takes on which are the best and which are the worst. Um, at number four, I have the Panthers one. That one's utterly terrible, too. I don't really know what the hell they were going for with that one. And then at number five, I have the Predators one just because it looks like also almost the, basically the same jersey that they wear now. I mean, just a bunch of gold in it. I mean, I know it was basically the gold version of their team's inaugural 1998 to 1999 look, but there's just really nothing doing it for me there. So, I mean, I guess that one's a hard pass as well. But those are my top five favorite and my least five favorite for the reverse retro jerseys. You know, most of them were pretty decent. You know, like I said, I think the Penguins one was better than I expected. I'm definitely going to buy one, though, at some point. I do want them to bring back the OG replica, um, well, the Snoop Dogg version of the Pittsburgh Diagonal, and hope to get the Robo Penguin or a version of the Robo Penguin jersey back because that would just, yeah, I will buy that one too. But before we get to some NHL season news, it's time to talk about Built Bar. There's 18 amazing flavors, six new flavors, cookies and cream, carrot cake, apple, almond, crisp, or a few. Still the 12 original flavors. Peanut butter, banana bread, mint brownie, double chocolate. The bars are covered in 100% chocolate. They're soft and easy to chew. They're great for the health-conscious person. They're low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, and high-fiber. One of my favorite flavors is still the cookies and cream. 17 grams of protein, 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 grams of net carbs. They reset the promo code for this relaunch. You can go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get 20% off your next order. That is promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. All right, welcome back to this episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. Um, let's just get into some season stuff. So there's been rumors circulating these last couple days. You know, they still want to start on January 1st. They're having a lot of meetings. I think it's the NHLPA Executive Player Board. I think there's 16 players on it. Um, if I can find Pierre Lebrun's tweet to it, actually, um, I think Mark Savard is one of the players that are on. I can, let me go to his uh, Twitter right now. I, I know, guys, this is great podcast material that I'm just looking this up on Twitter. Um right now. So the players that he said are on it, David Backus, Darren Helm. I don't know why Darren Helm's on there. David Savard, Justin Falk, Lars Eller, Sam Gagne, uh, Justin Abdelkader, Ian Cole, Zach Hyman, Ron Hainsey, Claude Giroux, Ryan Dezingle, Andrew Kopp, Alex Biega, Chris Kreider, Mark Shifley. Um, the fact that there are not, there are not more star players on there is pretty, pretty interesting to me, but you know, to the news itself, um, Elliot Friedman had a quickie blog last night. Apparently, he did say, of course, that you know the players want to play. The Anshel wants to get going. Uh, apparently, Anshel is asking for an additional 13% salary deferment. Um, I mean, of course, the Anshel is going to ask for that. I'm sure the players aren't going to be too thrilled about that. Um, but you know, they might have not. They might not have a choice if they want to play. But you know, here's the big thing here. One current option is 60 games for a season in your own arenas, MLB-style setup with back-to-backs in the same rank, divisional only. Yes, then a Canadian division is part of it, and the playoffs would start in mid-May. If they're going to try and start January 1st, time is short. They're working at it now. Now attacking the most critical financial detail. I've been saying for on this for about a week or two, starting January 1st is just not realistic to me. I mean, if you're going to do a January 1st restart, 
you got to come to agreement in the next week. I mean, honestly, you forget a week. I mean, you got to come into agreement in the next few days. I mean, the players have to come back from Europe. I mean, they have to be tested and all that, quarantining from coming back. I mean, there's just a whole bunch of stuff that needs to happen. And when are you going to open training camp in a month from now? I mean, there's probably not going to be a preseason for obvious reasons. So you're going to open up a two-week training camp and then just get right into it on January 1st. I just think that's rushing it a bit. I think um, the best case scenario for the league and I was actually reading this from Josh Yoey's live Q&A on The Athletic, would be to, you know, to start end of January, um, Pro Bowl weekend, which I think the Pro Bowl was supposed to take to, supposed to take place, excuse me, I think it was canceled this year. Uh, that would be perfect. There's really no sports going on this weekend. There's no baseball, of course. There's no basketball. You're preparing for the Super Bowl the week after. You will have everyone's attention if you return that weekend. And you can do four games a day on NBC, NBCSN, um, you know, have a game at noon, have a game at three, have a game of six, have a game at nine. That's eight games over the weekend on your networks. You can really showcase the sport, you know, for it's coming back. And, you know, obviously the other games we played on the regional networks, but, you know, that would just be a great idea, I think, for the league. It's more realistic. You have more time to prepare, more time for training camp, more time to get players over from Europe or wherever the hell they're at. I mean, hell, Canada as well, especially, you know, someone like Sidney Crosby who needs to come back from, uh, Cole Harbor, Nova Scotia, where he stays over the offseason. And then, you know, Evgeny Malkin, who's just in Russia probably right now, too. So, you know, it's just, it, it makes more sense to do that. More national exposure. We all know there's going to be a new TV deal at some point for the league. You know, I don't know when they're going to agree to it. Hopefully they bring ESPN back into the fold. We'll have a whole episode, I'm sure, detailing that at some point. But yeah, I mean, I just, I think it makes more sense to do it that way. I mean, January 1st, like I said, you're looking at a potential you got to come to a deal within less than a week, I think. And also, I mean, the MLB uh, setup, you know, just playing two games back to back or, you know, another good idea. You can play one game on Wednesday, one game, uh, one game on Wednesday, one game on Monday, and then one game on Wednesday. You don't even have to deal with the back to back at times. Boom, same arena. And then the, the visiting team can just go home and you can do that. Just you can just rotate teams in and out of arenas just all season long and they can travel and whatnot. I'm sure they'll probably start the season with no fans and they'll try to get fans in at some point in 2021. I just who knows how the virus is going to look like if it's just going to keep spiking as we go into the new year and then you know you have the whole realignment thing that we're going to have to do i mean we there's obviously i think going to be a canadian division actually rob rossi just came out with a pretty cool pc on the athletic you know how nhl realignment could force the penguins into a new division i mean there's a couple scenarios that he uh, lays out here essentially there could be like a central one hypothetical this is just a hypothetical one Blackhawks, Blues, Blue Jackets, Capitals, Hurricanes, Penguins, Predators, Red Wings. That actually would be pretty interesting. You would play the Blackhawks a lot more, which, you know, I don't think the Penguins have beaten them enough um, over Crosby's tenure. They, they do not beat the Blackhawks very often at all. Um, the Blues, that would be cool. You know, Columbus, obviously, I mean, they're not even that far from Columbus. Washington in the division, that makes sense. Carolina, they're not that far off too. Nashville, Detroit, that would be a cool, fun division. I, I, Rob even writes it would be more beneficial in terms of average road trip miles. It would also allow them to remain a division with at least one of their biggest rivals, the Washington Capitals. It also bring together three of America's strongest te- NHL television markets in Pittsburgh, Detroit, and Chicago. Here's the other a hypothetical. Chicago, St. Louis, Columbus, Tampa, Florida, Pittsburgh, Detroit, and Nashville. I do not like the Florida teams being in there. I really don't. I just that, that it seems weird that both Florida teams would be in that division. I definitely like the um, first central hypothetical that Rob points out than the second one. And you know, here's the big kicker from this article: 
From what Rob has been told, it sounds like they, the Penguins, prefer to remain in division with long-term rivals such as the Philadelphia Flyers, Washington Capitals, Blue Jackets, and clubs within the New York metropolitan area, aside from maintaining their oldest and fiercest rivalries. There is a financial upside to being grouped with six clubs. Shorter flights save money, and cost-cutting measures are especially valued by all NHL clubs because of limited gate revenue. I mean... Like I said, I mean, that makes sense, though. I would prefer them to be in a division with all East clubs. But, you know, if you put them in a division with Detroit, I mean, hell, Buffalo, that would be great. I mean, the trip from Pittsburgh to Buffalo is honestly not even that far. Columbus, again, makes sense. Washington. Carolina, you can probably sub out and put Philadelphia in. Um, St. Louis, that would be pretty cool. Nashville would be pretty cool, especially with that 2017 Stanley Cup final. Um, rematch in there so you know I definitely think there is going to be some sort of realignment that we will be looking at for this season it's not going to be the same divisions you know especially if we're going to get a Canadian division but you know we're all still just like spitballing at this point but you know I definitely prefer the first hypothetical rather than the second one that Rob points out and you know we'll see what happens with these negotiations it's going to be very interesting to see where this goes will they come to an agreement within the next seven to ten days I don't really know you know I mean, forget seven to 10 days, you know, they got to come to agreement, you know, I think in a shorter time frame than that. And, you know, like I said, late January restart would be more beneficial, you know, as Josh was also saying in his live Q&A, start the games on a weekend, put four games a day on NBC and NHL on NBC Sports Network. I mean, that would just be absolutely awesome. But coming up in our next segment, we will be doing our player season review for Jason Zucker, who was, of course, acquired from the Minnesota Wild and what a season it was for him. So stick around for that. All right, guys, welcome back to this episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I'm, of course, your host, Hunter Hody. So, you know, just what a debut it was for Zucker. Um, even Obviously, I think was their best player in the playoffs, had two goals, drove possession. It was a great fin on Malkin's line with Russ. He was one of the few players that actually showed up in those four games against Montreal. I'll bet a short sample size, just even though it looked like the team was just not ready to be there. They, I don't think a lot of those players even wanted to be there, but you know, Jason Zucker definitely did. He was trying to carry them as best he could, but you know, ultimately, you know, of course they lost three games to one to the Canadians, but you look at his on ice impacts here, only played 15 games, 221 minutes on the ice, chances for chances against 234, 199, his possession numbers, 54%. I got, I know guys, 15 game sample size in 45 games in Minnesota, they were at 47.4%, but I would also argue that Minnesota has never been a good team at driving possession. You know, you come into a team like Pittsburgh, who is usually top five to top 10 in driving possession year in and year out. And of course has two superstars who drive lines. I mean, you're obviously your numbers are going to go up, but um, his goals, four goals against, you know, 10, 11, you know, in Minnesota, it was eight, 28 to 31. I'm not really going to look at that too much. Um, his, his, his goals, four percentage, 48.8%. I, even in 15 games, I would expect that to be above 50%. I mean, before that year, he was well over 50% in Minnesota. 2018, 19 was 56%, 2017, 18, uh, 58%, 57% in 2017, 53% in 2016. So he's really hovered around there. I would expect in a full season, even if it's 60 plus games, uh, next season, I think it would be right around there, 53 to 58%, especially if he's playing on a line with Malkin and Rust, um, the whole time. Um, his scoring chances for percentage, 49.7%. Again, I would expect that to go up, you know, for the three years prior to this year, he was at 55, 56%. He was almost at 57% during the 2017, 18 season for Minnesota. So I would expect his numbers to get right back up to there. Um, his high danger chances for versus high danger chances against those took a hit 36 to 49 
It also doesn't help that Gino is not really that good of a defensive player. And, you know, I think Jack Johnson was also getting a lot of minutes on the ice when Zucker was on the ice. For some reason, they always wanted to put the Johnson pairing on with Malkin. You know, they did that for both of the seasons that he was there. And, you know, his line obviously suffered the consequences from it. So I would expect that to go up next year as well. But overall, point production-wise, six goals, 12 points in 15 games. If you um, add the playoffs uh, numbers to those, um, that's basically... Um, I'm trying to do the math here. So that's two points in four games. So what do you have? 14 points in 19 games. That's virtually almost at a point per game pace. Um, I would expect him for next year. I mean, he had total 20 goals, 41 points this past season in 60 games. I think for this year, it's not out of the realm of possibility that he gets 25 to 30 goals. I mean, he did it in 2017-18 with Minnesota, had a 33-goal campaign, 64 points in a full season, 82 games. That's obviously the best season of his career and, you know, with playing with Malkin and Russ, who is also coming off a career year, I could definitely see the possibility, like I said, that he puts up 25 to 30 goals and maybe 50 to 60 points. I mean, I'm going to go out of limb next year and I'm going to say he's going to pot 30 goals and he's going to have 35 assists for a 65 point season. He's going to break his career high that he had from 2017-18 that when he had 64 points and he's just going to break it by just one point. 30 goals, 35 assists here for... Jason Zucker, you heard it here first. If I'm wrong, I, of course, will eat crow. But I'm just, I'm really high on him going into this season. He had really good underlying numbers before this season. He has a hell of a shot. He puts up points. He's a good playmaker. And I think he's just a great fit on the Malkin line. So I'm really excited to see what can happen with Zucker going into this season. I honestly think he's like the big... What should I call it? An X factor, I would say. I think he's the big X factor for the Penguins outside of uh, Tristan Jari because we really don't know how he's going to do for a full season um, as the starting goaltender. So that basically wraps up the player season review for Jason Zucker. Um, earlier today, though, I did want to end with this. Um, I retweeted this onto my timeline from Ryan Rashog of TSN. Um, I think it looks like Team Canada's uh, training camp for the World Juniors has started. Of course, the World Juniors start, I believe it's in a month, if I'm not mistaken, towards like right around Christmas time. Um, Sam Pulin had probably one of the goals of the day, maybe even training camp, just the way, I mean, he kind of falls down on the defenseman, takes the puck back, skates around him, and then goes forehand, backhand, uh, past the goaltender, just a gorgeous goal. You guys can go check that out on my t- Twitter timeline at Hunter Hodes. And I quote tweeted it and I'm going to say it here as well, guys, if you guys don't follow me, Sam Pulin is going to make the Penguins out of training camp. Mark my words. You heard it here. He has the skill to be on this team. I think he's NHL ready. I know there's a lot of players that may be blocking him potentially at the start of the season, but with Aston Reese hurt and with Evan Rodriguez kind of a bit of an unknown, even though he was brought back, I can definitely see Poulin um, stealing a roster spot um, when the season begins, especially if he does have a great training camp, and I expect him to have a great training camp. So like I said, I think Sam Poulin makes this team. He would probably start out on the third line. I think people are a bit too high with their expectations that he's just going to come into a top six role. I mean, think about it. You have Jake Gensel with Sidney Crosby and Kasperi Kapanen. Mike Sullivan even said last week when he was interviewing with Josh Getzoff of um, Penguins Radio, they're going to start Kapanen with Crosby. So again, that's a no right there. Then you have Jason Zarker with Danny Malkin and Brian Russ. That's your top six, bar none. Where's their room to put uh, Poulin in the top six. I mean, if Kapanen struggles, maybe you move him down and put Poulin up there. I can totally see that. But, you know, you're probably looking at him on the third line, and I'm sure they could use it, <laughs> you know, especially Jared McCann. I mean, he, he could definitely use that, if, especially if he's going to be playing with Mark Jankowski and Evan Rodriguez every night, or they can just promote uh, Brandon Tanev up there. But 
you know, I really do expect him to earn a roster spot from training camp. I really believe that. So that will do it for this episode of the Lockdown Penguins podcast. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Hope you guys enjoyed the Jersey talk. You know, we're getting hopefully closer to the start of the season where this podcast will get back to doing everyday episodes, recapping the games, previewing the games, bringing on some more guests. We will have some more guests on at some point here during the offseason. But, you know, there should be more news coming from the NHL with their plans to start up their next season. And when that news comes, you guys will be the first to hear about it here on Locked on Penguins. So again, thank you guys so much for listening, and I will talk to you all tomorrow.